Great day for us to be back together in God's presence. For uh, those of us gathered in this house to welcome God's Spirit to meet us in this house, and for those of you who are inviting us into your house, we pray today that you would sense His presence in a very real way, personal way. God delights in us. This is an amazing thing that Jesus said. God takes delight in giving you the kingdom. So we want to invite God to show his delight upon us and, um, and upon our concerns today. Yesterday, um, had a powerful day, uh, one day men's event with, with several brothers from this uh, church family. And when we left, I had this takeaway. I felt like the Lord was saying, watch me work. Watch me work. Just bring it all, bring it to me and watch me work. So um, I'm going to invite the Lord to show us that today and pray that you would join me in that. Whatever it is that you're facing today, maybe this prayer could fit where you are. If Jesus were to say, well, just bring it to me and watch me work. So I offer that prayer to you as a takeaway from yesterday in our men's event. And maybe today Jesus will show you why. Because today's message gives me opportunity to share with you two of my favorite promises from Jesus. Don't know if I've ever done this before, but the Word of God is our sword of the Spirit, and um, it's the primary weapon that we use in spiritual, the spiritual battles of our mind. And these two verses are like cutting-edge truths, sharp, in growing faith that overcomes the world. And that's exactly the kind of faith it takes to face the issue in today's topic. Today's message is the final message in our series, Asking for a Friend. And I sincerely hope that you will ask God that as you listen today. How, you know, how can I do that with today's talk? Use it for yourself. Yes, absolutely use it for yourself. But then be attentive for opportunities to share it with others. With your friends, somebody in your friendship circle is going to benefit from what you take away from here. With your family, I mean, parents with your kids, young people, children with your moms and dads, that these truths are meant to be shared together. And in fact, you may want to memorize these two promises from Jesus. Here's the first one. Jesus says, peace, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Is that a great verse? That's a promise worth holding on to today. Let's say it together, okay? Everybody, just take a breath. You at home too, wherever you're joining us, church online, everybody take a breath and let us speak it out so as to be heard. Here we go. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then here's the other one. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We got to say that one together too, don't we? Okay, so everybody take a breath. Let's speak it out so that people can hear around you. Here we go. At home too. Okay, here we go. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. 
Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's let that settle in for a second. Powerful words of Jesus. These are like double-edged words on the sword that we're supposed to be using in battle and the battle that we fight in our minds. Perhaps you already know this, that the spiritual battlefield is the mind. That's where that, what that means is that that's where God wants you to feel the victory of those verses right there. The mind is the spiritual battlefield. That's the place God intends to create overcomers of those of us who have more than one occasion to turn to one another and say, man, in this life, don't we have trials? Don't we have sorrow? Yes, we do. But this is exactly the place that God wants to make us overcomers. He, it gives our Father great delight, pleasure to give us the kingdom. So would you let him give you some of that kingdom as we take this topic especially into consideration? This is good news. God wants us to have it, and we need it. Every day we receive prayer needs like this on our church line. This one came in recently, said, I just want you to pray for peace of mind. I, I need peace of mind, calmness. This is a request, they wrote, on how to regain who I am. I felt hopeless, and I felt helpless. So many of us know that feeling. It seems to be part of life, doesn't it? Corey Ten Boom, who was a survivor of the Nazi Holocaust, uh, devoted follower of Christ, said, you know, if you look at the world, you're going to be distressed. If you look within, you're going to get depressed. But if we look to God, you will be at rest. Today, we want to take that look together, especially when it comes to the topic at hand. And here it is. What can believers do about depression and mental health issues? What a significant question. I mean, mental health is the topic. And I got to tell you, we've already heard from Jesus, mental health is one of God's goals for those who follow Christ. peace of mind in a world where our inner lives can be so troubled and so fearful. And yet Jesus says, don't be afraid. I have something for you that will address the need at hand. Christ will meet us in the crisis with new hope to cope. There's the central takeaway from the talk. Christ will meet us in the crisis with new hope to cope. And I love the story. It's at the beginning of Mark's gospel. It's like he wanted to start with his strong suit. He just said it's the beginning of Mark's gospel where this worst case scenario comes into Jesus' view screen. And it's a guy who's literally, he's out of his head. He's running naked through a cemetery. He's hurting himself. He's screaming aloud. People consider him hopeless and helpless. And after some time with Jesus, <laughs> they come, this, the people that were so aware of his out of controlness come back and they said, Jesus was sitting there. The guy is sitting with him clothed and in his right mind. The story shows us many things, but one of them is simply this, that Jesus helps us with our mental health issues. Mayo Clinic says, quote, mental illness 
could also, also called mental health disorders, refers to a wide range of mental health conditions and disorders that affect your mood, your thinking, and your behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, addictive disorders. And then they go on to say this, many people have mental health concerns from time to time, but a mental health concern becomes a mental illness when ongoing signs and symptoms cause frequent stress and affect your ability to function. So the guy we see in Jesus' story right up front, he's, this is affecting his ability to function. So in medical terms, a concern becomes an illness. If you've ever wondered this, a concern becomes a mental illness when the ongoing symptoms affect your ability to function. If you just Google mental health, it'll, it's going to tell you this. Good mental health is more than just the absence of mental illness. It means you're in a state of well-being where you feel good and you function well. It has to do with how you feel and how you function, mental health. You have hope to cope with the normal stresses of life and to work productively. That's one of the medical definitions of mental health. Now, I'm a pastor. I'm not a medical physician. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counseling professional. But where I sit and where I serve, I can tell you that Jesus' teaching and Jesus' ministry shows us that God cares about your mental health cares about your mental well-being, your peace of mind. In fact, Jesus says that mental stress and distress works on all of us. What did he say? Oh, here on earth, you're going to have troubles, trials, sorrows. They're going to be troubling your mind. You're going to need to hear, you're going to need to remember my words when I say to you, don't be afraid. Because you're going to be afraid and you're going to need to stop. And instead of fear, I'm going to bring my peace into you. So nobody escapes it. That's what I'm trying to say. Mental stress, mental distress, nobody escapes it. It's a fact. It's no matter, no matter how much education you, you acquire, no matter how much income you earn or come into, doesn't, make it, doesn't matter if you're married or not, doesn't matter if you have kids or not, everybody has troubles. Mental stress and distress. And we've said it before, it's no less true today, that the facts are, right now, either you are in a storm that is raging, or you are coming out of a storm, or you are going back into another storm. This is life. In this life, you will have troubles. But Christ can meet you in the crisis and give you new hope to cope. Mental health. As a pastor, I see people dealing with mental health issues that become concerns that sometimes involve illness on three levels. Here they are. First are those levels that we could call normal anxiety. This is like everyday stresses that we all go through. This is part of getting up in the morning, going through the routine, and it involves normal anxiety and depression in life. Just comes, just happens. Scenarios we all deal with on everyday life. Second. Second level are those issues, those same issues, but when they get heavier, 
<laughs> and the load, you start feeling the load in your soul, in your body, in your, in your mind. And, and as the burdens take you down, the stress levels rise up. There's a tool that um, helps people address this called the Home Stress Inventory. It's a statistical prediction model that measures the impact of the stress in your life. It's got like 50 different stressors on it. I saw this in seminary years ago, still, used, still in use today. The top five stressors, by the way, for you to evaluate your own stress levels, the number one is death of a spouse or a child. Number two is divorce. Highest stress circumstance you can experience. These, number one, number two. Number three, marital separation. Number four, imprisonment. Number five, death of a close family member. And then that just takes it on down. So there's a tool that you can use even now. You can see it online if you want to check yourself out. And see, what stress level am I experiencing? Is it am I the normal stresses of everyday life, or am I in a number two zone? Which could be called circumstantial depression heightened anxiety. And then there's a third level, a clinical or a medical level. Signs of this may include feelings of sadness, emptiness, anger, loss of interest in normal activities like hobbies or sex, trouble sleeping, feelings of worthlessness, self-blame, self-loathing, and then thoughts of doing self-harm. <laughs> but did you know, maybe this is news to you, some of the greatest Bible characters show up on these charts. Like who? Tremendous mental health challenges. Well, let's start with Job. In all of his troubles, as you can imagine, this is not news, he feels it would have been better if he'd never even been born. He even wishes for that. This is chapter 3, verse 11, chapter 10, verse 19 in his writings. He wishes that his mother had miscarried at birth rather than have to go through all this stuff that's in his life. Here's one maybe you didn't suspect. Moses, the great leader Moses, who worked so diligently hard to fulfill God's call, and he was all in, and he was pushing hard, and he was caring for the people because he was trying to get them out of slavery and into the promised land. You know the story, right? And yet Numbers chapter 11, verse 15, he's so exasperated because the whole time the people, they want another leader and they want to go back to Egypt. Repeat, 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 repeat. Another leader, if we could just find another leader and if we could just go back to Egypt. And so finally, Numbers 15, he's so exasperated, this is his prayer. I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is just too heavy for me. What level are we talking about here? If this is how you're going to treat me, he's talking to God. If this is, what you're, this is what you're doing to me, all I'm doing for you and this is what you're doing for me, then let me tell you, just please, go ahead, kill me. Rather die from one swift blow than 100,000 paper cuts. Just take me out if I have found favor in your eyes. <laughs> Don't let me face my own ruin. Both of these guys, Job, Moses, they, got, they occupy a lot of pages in his book, you know. And both of them are saying, Lord, if you could just kill me, that'd be great. 
They could both be called cases of circumstantial depression. The normal anxieties and challenges of leading their lives got so heavy that they were down low. And then there's a third level, and there's a third case. (laughs) Elijah. Man, powerful Elijah. He's just had one of the greatest successes of his entire life. He has triumphed over all of the false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And now, Mark, yeah, Carmel, I think that's how you pronounce it. I was going to say Carmel. I think that's another place. Mount Carmel. And now wicked Jezebel wants him dead. She's put a hit out on him. And so what does the mighty man of God do? Does he courageously rise and stand and conquer again? No. You read his story in 1 Kings. In one of the most profound mood swings found in all of the Bible, he runs away. And the next thing you know, he is seized in the chokehold of tremendous self doubt. And he prays to die. I mean, he just feels like such a loser. Here's what he says, 1 Kings 19, 4. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm not any better than my ancestors. Starting to compare himself to others that he thinks are much more successful than he. He's doing a self-evaluation that leaves him loathing and doubting himself on the inside. I mean, he's, this guy, he's, his depression is so bad that he has lost the ability to function. He feels trapped in his own thoughts, stuck in his head, and he feels like a failure. He just wants to die. That's why he headed out all by himself. Today, that could be, he even offers a suicide prayer. That could be considered clinical level depression, needing treatment beyond oneself. That's a difference here, which of course is what God provides. In the story, God sends an angel, a special angel sent just to him to provide for him some practical needs. He's, he's got some hot, a hot meal there, fresh baked bread, refreshing water. He needs to stay hydrated. And then an opportunity for rest, repeated rest that he needed. Is a special kind of need deserving a special kind of treatment with personalized individual intervention and care. Now, here's a thought. Who was it appearing with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration? Anybody remember? Moses and Elijah. What? These like those death wish prayers who had spent it all and come up dry and were just like, these mental health guys? And yet there they are. I mean, it's like no shame here. Jesus is saying, these are my people. I guess God didn't hold their mental health concerns against them, did he? Even though it affected their ability to function for a while at the time. In New Testament, uh, Acts chapter 16 Paul intervenes. We've studied this story earlier last year. 
um, he intervenes and he stops a man from suicidal behavior. The guy's been on the job, and now he, the only escape he sees for the situation he's in is a quick exit by his own sword. Acts 16. He's about to kill himself. It's the middle of the night. And Paul stops him <laughs> from taking his life. He says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And I, I feel like I need to say this. If you're in a low place today, on the outside may look like something else, but on the inside, it feels like you're in a low place. What I've been saying starting to feel pretty familiar to somebody today. If that's you, then you need to hear me say, I want, I want you to hear me say, uh, I want you to hear this from me. I want you to hear it from your pastor, your church, and your God. Don't harm yourself. We're here for you. You are not alone in the dark. You hear me? Feel, feel the heart here? This is what church is for. This is what faith friends are for. And people who understand what Jesus meant when he said, oh man, in this world, trials, troubles, sorrows, wait, then we're here for you. Sometimes it helps to talk. Sometimes we need rest. We need nourishment. Sometimes we need spiritual healing that's beyond ours to give. We can't fix yourself. We need individualized care. We need somebody to make a hot meal for us and let us rest for a while. And there's no shame in that. If you break a bone, what do you do? You get it set. <laughs> if, you're, if you need blood, what do you do? You go get a transfusion. If something happens biologically and it determines that there's some chemical imbalances, what could you do? You get it treated. It's amazing what responsible medical treatment can do in individualized, personalized care. We have some incredible caregivers and hospitals across this county that we are privileged to have. I mentioned Mayo Clinic earlier. Um, maybe you didn't realize this, because I know I didn't, that it was started by a group of Franciscan nuns, did you know that? And a country doctor, which means it had a faith base. You don't hear that a lot when you talk about Mayo Clinic. But their approach to mental illness says this. In most cases, symptoms can be managed with a combination of medication and talk therapy. And then this was a big surprise to me. They offer spiritual care 24-7, Mayo Clinic, that you can call up and get a chaplain to come and offer you communion in your room on request. Or you can invite them to come in and offer a prayer with anointing for healing on request. Where did they get that? Well, you know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, grew up with the same house with Mary and Joseph. When he wrote his letter in the New Testament by his name, chapter 5, verse 14, he included this. He's coming to the end of his letter, but before he ended it, he included this. He said, is anybody among you ill? Then let him call for the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. 
Now, I remember years ago hearing J. Vernon McGee, the great Bible teacher, say that oil in that time, in this application, was understood as medicinal in treatment, not ceremonial, medicinal. So what James is actually saying is, okay, are you sick? Are you facing illness? Pray and take your medicine. Pray and take your medicine. This is still good news. When it, this is still good advice when it comes to all health care, and that, in, that includes mental health care. Pray, take your medicine, and then stay connected to the body. Stay connected to people. Stay connected to God. You know, sometimes when we're facing mental stress and distress, and then something that starts affecting our function, what do we do? And instead of staying connected, what do we do? We isolate. This is a tendency in my life. I'm going to go hole up in the cave and just say, give me some time, leave me alone, don't bother me. That's not what James says. No, 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 Bill, that's wrong. You need to stay connected. You need to stay in community. You need people praying for you. You need people anointing you. You need people who are there for you. Every one of us do. That's why it's in the Bible. You need somebody who's going to be there to, and not play hide and seek with people. Oh, if they care, they'll come and find me. They'll start missing me, and then they'll find me. No. James says, don't do that. Don't play hide and seek with the church. If, you've, if you are facing a, an illness or a challenge, physical challenge, or a mental challenge, James says, well, just wait till somebody finds you. No, he doesn't. He says, you get on the phone, you call them. Call so that the elders of the church can know and somebody can show up and offer personal touch of healing. That makes sense. Now, sometimes if you're really low, you don't feel like you can call anybody. That's why it's so important that we have a group, isn't it? that you've got at least two or three people, somebody in your life who's staying in touch with you regularly. And if you're not here in church, then they notice. If you're not in group, they notice. It, they notice you when you're not here a lot faster than somebody at the church would because you're connected to them. And then they can make the call. Thank God when I get called from individuals saying, do you know that it's on? Yeah, tell me. Ah, I'll check on them. James is saying, hey, if you're facing stuff, this is why it's so important, friends, if you're not in a group, please reconsider, get connected to somebody, let us know, and then once you're in it, let them know what's going on in your life. You can set up a confidentiality understanding so that nobody's going to be talking about your business outside the circle, but when you share it, then others can pray with you, and somebody's going to say, oh man, do I know what that feels like. I've been there. In fact, I'm there right now. Could you pray for me too? And then we start having these little safe environments where people can share their needs and feel others' prayers to help us face the troubles that we're challenged and the burdens that we face. The story that came across my, uh, actually Lisa told me this story. She had heard it just last week from Arlene Castellanos and our member Arlene, her family's been a part of this church for a couple decades now. And um, and so I, Lisa told me the story. I called Arlene up. I said, man, I got to listen. Tell me your story. Can I share it? Does it seem like this is something we ought to hear today? She said, yeah. And this is what she told me. You know, she was hospitalized 35 days with COVID last year. 35 days, count them. It's over a month, over the holiday and into the new year. 
she had been diagnosed at the ER with COVID, with uh, COVID pneumonia, but there were no symptoms, so they sent her home. Next morning, she said, I can't breathe. I mean, I felt like I was going to die. And uh, so she uh, went back to the hospital, and next thing you know, she's in ICU, and she's receiving the same medicine that did wonders for her husband, but it wasn't working for her. More medication, no difference, only getting worse. The already increased mental stress and distress of her life with the regular load that a mom carries now is stepped up into the next level. Circumstantial, right? It's piling on and she can't breathe. It's taking her into more extreme fear and thoughts are starting to populate her mind. She knows that, um, that she's had other friends who've lost loved ones because of intubation, so she doesn't want that. And she's praying, Lord, don't let me die. She feels like she's not going to make it. So she starts texting her loved ones, her husband, her family, her brother, and uh, she wants her husband especially to know where the insurance papers are so that they can be ready. She doesn't feel like she's going to make it. And she said somewhere in there, that's where for her she, she said that I stopped being afraid. When I let go of fear, when I let go of fear, then some things started to change. And that's when she sensed uh, the Lord say, no, I love you, I know you, I have you. And so... She completely surrendered to his will. A nurse practitioner comes in the room and, and says, how you doing today? And she says, I'm not going home. I'm not going to make it. I mean, she's, she feels, knows, this could be my last day, my last week. And, uh, and so they run another test and they find out that one of her lungs has collapsed. Her brother has been urging her for some time to switch medications because it worked for her husband, but not for her. So So she brings that up and the caregivers agree. And so they start changing to another type of medication to see what happens. Around the same time, she gets a text from a fellow teacher at Westminster School that says this, the Lord spoke to me and wants me to tell you, you need to praise him more. (laughs) And she's wondering, how? You know, I can't breathe, I got tubes everywhere, and uh, I'm panting like a dog. And she said, I had this thought come to mind, get up and praise him. She thought, well, if I can't sing, then maybe I can praise him more as others do. And she picks up her phone and she starts, the first song that came on uh, from the, the The phone was gratitude by Brandon Lake. And here are the words. She said the words. So come on, oh my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song because you've got a lion inside those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. And she told me, she said, I knew then that God told Sarah so so the Holy Spirit could tell me to, uh, to give me that song. And then remind me that he gives me my breath. Still felt like 
she wasn't going to make it. She said, so I thought, well, if today I take my last breath, then I, I want to give it in praise to him. Nurse came in, saw what she was trying to do. She said, what are you doing? She said, I got to get up and praise the Lord. God wants me to praise him. And she said, the more I praised him, the more oxygenation my oxygenation went up, the less oxygen that I needed, and I, I thought this was my last day, but in the scariest part of my life, I got to know God in a way that I hadn't. Totally surrendered. Before, I sought peace by controlling things. Controlling things. But I found that there is no peace and no comfort no greater peace and comfort than to be in the moment when God is all you've got and you're trusting him to be in control. And she kind of backed out of the story and said, you know, the devil, the devil tried to bring fear, still tries to bring fear. I still gulp every time I hear the word COVID. She told me I never saw my other side of the mountain. When I was in it, I never saw the other side of the mountain. I didn't think there was a way out. I thought I was going to die. But it was okay because I knew that I was his. So I let go and I let God be God to do what God can do. And as I completely surrendered to him, she says, I'm yours, Lord. Then fear went away. Thank you, Arlene. She's sitting right over there. She lived it. You can talk to her about it. I never saw the other side of the mountain. Maybe you're on the dark side of the mountain right now. Maybe you have a friend who is. See, we're asking for a friend. Sometimes... I mean, stress and distress finds all of us. That's a fact. But sometimes we know, we discover, we're in way beyond our own ability to control. That one's not going to work. Sometimes we find ourselves in the scariest places of our lives. And no miracle is in sight. Maybe you know someone who's there right now. Maybe you're there. What can you do? Well, first, trust Christ as your Savior and your healer. He knows you. He made you. He loves you. He delights in you. He cares for you. Christ will meet you in the crisis today with new hope to cope. Yesterday's bread doesn't fill today's belly. He will meet you fresh today. The question is this. Why are we starting there? Well, what can believers do about depression? That's where it starts. But, okay, what can believers do about mental health issues? Well, let's review real quickly. Remember, Jesus said this is a part of life. Everybody's got it. 
So stop denying it. That's the first place we start. Oh, I'll just agree with Jesus. This is real. This is, this is part of my life experience. And this is why he gives peace for times like this that I'm in. Whether it's normal stress and anxiety or the increase of circumstantial depression, or if you find yourself in a place where you need individualized, personalized care that can be right-sized to right where you are with medical or clinical attention. Remember the great Bible heroes, they all faced it. And listen to this, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, here's what Mark said, Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of what? He knows. He experienced the challenges we're talking about. So you're not alone. So what can you do? Well, take care of the basics. Eat healthy, stay hydrated, be active, get rest and sleep. Don't isolate, communicate, stay relationally connected. Go to your group, go to your church. Those of you who haven't been back since the pandemic, come on back. We're here for your health. It's going to be good. It's not going to be bad. Find a, you can do this. You can open up to a trusted, trustworthy other. Do you have a friend who will hear your heart? and guard it so that you can feel safe there. You can stay active in worship. You can sing songs of praise. You can offer prayer to God. You can give voice to your heart. You can talk it through with a friend, maybe a pastor, maybe a group leader. If it seems like the dark is closing in on you, then we can help you find a therapist or a counselor who knows the way through the darkness. Don't harm yourself. We're all here for you. We need each other, we're in it together. You can get a physical. You can talk to your physician about the medications. Doesn't seem to be working. What else could we try? You could pray and take your medicine. <laughs> you can lean on the Lord with your whole self. You could bring it all and watch Jesus work. Or perhaps somebody here, and then what would you discover if you do that? You know what, everything I know about me, I'm just gonna give once again, Lord, to everything I know about you. Here, I'm wrapping it all up. Arlene said she'd made a total surrender, that's what I wanna do. Just, I want all of me in your hands. And then what would you discover? What the psalmist did when he did the similar thing? You know what he said? In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. And then you could do this. You could ask God, is there somebody else in this dark cell with me that I could share this with so that they could find the way out too? Does that sound like Jesus? If you see some of these signs in a friend, you could ask them, you know, I really care about you, but... I'm just wondering, and enter the conversation and see if we can get beyond the, no, no, everything's great, into, well, I've had pain, and maybe we could together bring our pain, our wound to Jesus, and let him find us there. What's he want you to do today?
Maybe this. Bring it all to him and then watch him work. Would you pray with me? So thankful, Lord, for the tender, patient, kind ways that you have shown me time and again when I find myself in places over my head, trapped in my head, troubled in my heart, and then brought once again to experience you as my God and the care that you give me through your people, through our healthcare professionals, through your body, through our families. Jesus, be our healer today. Meet us in this moment. May your Holy Spirit be our comforter, our counselor. For somebody in particular, the opportunity to experience you as Savior and as healer. And for somebody whose circumstances have their mind troubled to such great degree, they're thinking things they have not thought before in the dark space. Would you touch them right now? Let them know they're not alone, that we're in it together, and that you take great delight in them. Just like you did Moses and Elijah, though they had troubles and they had failures. But, oh, my Lord, you just love us. Would you love us today, Jesus? Be our healer. Help us speak your name to one another. I'm going to invite our worship leaders to come and and just take us right into the song. And then you follow your heart in trusting him. As we say, amen in Jesus' name.